Ні забаву продає, ніхто грошей не дає Ой, дідусю, дідусю, тебе сива борода Чого ж мене не продав, як була я молода Чого ж мене не продав, як була я молода That was Susida, which means neighbors, and a song called Oinahori Yarmarok, the Bazaar on the Hill. Vitayu vas vsichshanovni radio suhichi, na radio predachu nash holos, radio krinskoho korinya. Primakrafoni, Pavlina, Diakuyu, Shorishale, Perbutizimnoyu, Nastupnu Hadenu. Hello there, and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm your host, Pavlina, and thank you for joining me this hour. We've got a great program lined up for you. We have an, a bit of a departure from our usual on Ukrainian Jewish heritage, which uh, we'll be broadcasting this week. And we have an interview with uh, Pavlo Hanka, who is a world-renowned opera singer and star, as well as uh, he will be directing the concert that will be part of the program of the Babinyar commemorations this fall in Ukraine. So stay tuned for that as well. We've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is a Canadian-Ukrainian connection uh, duo, Rozhenetsia and Melenia, together. And this is uh, from a live recording that was made at the Pesinka Festival last year in 2015 in Vegreville, Alberta. And uh, here they are now, Rozhenetsia and Melenia. Thank you. 
Dance Academy and Millennia. How great was that? Shiro Tiafoyu. Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. Do you want to listen to Nash Hollis without using your web browser? Well, it's very easy. Download Stitcher's Smart Radio for iPhone and Android. Don't miss the 4th Annual Babas and Borscht Ukrainian Festival, August 20th and 21st in Andrew, Alberta. Ukrainian food, music, dance, Babas Bazaar, museum tours and exhibits, Zababa and more. Lessons in clay oven making, leather work and Ukrainian dance. Find out all about Samohanka, yes, moonshine. Tons of fun and excitement at Babas and Borscht Festival, August 20th and 21st in Andrew, Alberta. Oh, and there's a borscht cook-off too. Admission is free and includes a borscht sample. For tickets, visit babasandborscht.ca.
band Klesmer Group from New York by the name of Golem and a song that brings back pretty fond memories of traveling across Ukraine by train, not all across Ukraine, but um, on a few trips and uh, very fond memories they are indeed. And one of those trips, uh, the most recent, was sponsored by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter. And again, that was Golem from New York and song their own original composition, Train Across Ukraine. And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto. I'm Pavlina, host of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio, and this week an interview with Pavlo Honka, a world-renowned opera singer of Ukrainian and British extraction. Mr. Honka is the director of a concert to be held at Kiev Opera House on September 29th as part of a commemoration project marking the 75th anniversary of the Babinyar massacre, in which the Nazis murdered some 150,000 people in 1941, including over 30,000 Jews. The commemoration program is being organized by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter. Pavlo Hanko kindly agreed to speak with me via Skype on Tuesday, August 2nd. The 75th anniversary of the Babinyar tragedy will be commemorated in Kiev this fall, late September to be exact. One of the events will be a concert which you are organizing and producing. How did you come to be the orchestrator, so to speak, of this event? I was approached by uh, members of the board of the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter to see whether I could pull together a program, first and foremost. And then I suggested to them that as I had access to pretty well uh, all of the uh, the great uh, musicians of the world, because I, I work with many of them, uh, that maybe we could pull together a, a fantastic cast. And they gave me uh, the opportunity to approach some big orchestras, for example, not just to use Ukrainian strengths. And to cut a long story short, we uh, have engaged the Hamburg Symphony Orchestra to go to Ukraine uh, for the 29th of uh, September, when the concert will be. Together with the soloists, uh, that's uh, Benjamin Butterfield, who's from your neck of the woods. He's right. from Victoria. And uh, I asked Ben because uh, he sings in Ukrainian so wonderfully. He's part of the Ukrainian Art Song Project. And then uh, there's Gal James. She's uh, Israeli, living in Berlin, to sing. Uh, and then myself as well. Uh, conductor will be Oksana Lenyuk. She's a young uh, Ukrainian conductor from Western Ukraine, who is now uh, Deputy Artistic Director at the uh, Bavarian State Opera in, uh, in Munich, in, in Germany. And uh, finally, the uh, Dumka National Chorus. Uh, we thought that we'd include one element of uh, Ukraine, a big Ukrainian group, if you like, uh, particularly because I chose uh, as as the second piece of the concert uh, Yevhen Stankovich's Kaddish Requiem. The program is opens up with uh, Max Bruch's Kol Nidrai, which is like an evening prayer at the uh, at uh, Yom Kippur, the New Year. Jewish prayer, and then it goes into the uh, Kaddish Requiem by Yevhen Stankovic, uh, which is a, a contemporary piece which tells the story of Babinyan. I chose it because it's not really a requiem, uh, it's really just a sort of statement of fact, if you like. And then that takes us to the interval, and after the interval is the Brahms Requiem, which is also not really a requiem, it's a spiritual work. Uh, which doesn't really talk about uh, any particular faith, but it talks really about spirituality. So it's sort of a journey from prayer to fact to hope. And uh, I thought that was so it would be sort of quite appropriate to uh, to choose that type of program, which sort of it, it moves into the positive. Yes, well, that's what uh, this this whole commemoration event is all about, isn't it? It's uh, it's to acknowledge and commemorate the past, but there's so much good stuff that's going on in Ukraine right now, in, mm. in particular with uh, Ukrainian Jewish encounter. Um, you've had a long and successful career as an opera singer. This project is casting you in a different role, kind of behind the scenes, although you said you will be singing as well. Yeah, well, I've done, uh, on a smaller scale, I've done things like this uh, over ye- over sort of some years in the sense that uh, I founded a, a, a choir in, in England some 15 years ago, and it, it existed for about 15 years. Uh, and basically, we organized various tours all over the world with them. But uh, obviously, this is of a different scale. 
a different nature. And uh, yeah, it's, but it's just an extension of that, really. Mm-hmm. But it's, a, it's also very interesting because it's sort of, it, you get hands on uh, with, with lots of the detail and, and there's, there's, there's a whole plethora of things that uh, need to be dealt with. Uh, and of course, you're meeting all types of different people and we've been able to get a great group of people together. But I forgot to mention that this is uh, a, rather a different concert because uh, we, when I worked in Berlin at the Berlin Philharmonic with uh, Sir Simon Rattle last year, we did a, a world premiere of a new opera and it was it was staged in concert form, but fully staged by a young lady called uh, Anneheen Kerselman from Amsterdam, a Dutch stage director. And she did she uh, created in a in minimalistic form a completely different impression of what concert making is. And it saw it 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 reached out to the public so much more directly. And uh, we've invited her to stage this concert. And it really is quite uh, amazing how uh, when you just have a few sort of movements, a few thoughts, very minimal, minimalistic thoughts, that the uh, it touches the public so much more uh, directly. So, yeah, we're in the middle of that rehearsal. We've had a rehearsal on that with the, with the chorus in Kiev. And uh, we're going next month for another two days. So it should be a really incredible... Uh, unforgettable concert. Mm, indeed, sounds it. It will be taking place where? It's taking place at the uh, at the National Opera House of Ukraine in, in, in Kiev. Mm-hmm. What will you be singing? Uh, well, I'm involved in it as well. <laughs> Apart <laughs> from producing it, I'm I'm singing in both the Stankovich, uh, where there's a there's a bass part and there's also a narrator's part, uh, and that's performed in Ukrainian. And then in the Brahms Requiem, there's also a part for me there uh, with the uh, soprano, with Gal James. You sing, you're a bass baritone yourself. Yes. Yeah. Just for, for those uh, listening who don't f- maybe follow opera, give us a brief overview of your incredible career. You started, you didn't start out to be an opera singer, you started out to be a lawyer. And then, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then you decided to become an opera. How did that all come about? Yeah, well, it's not so unusual. There are not, not, not lawyers specifically, but there are people who sort of take, change track in their lives. But uh, yeah, I practiced as a lawyer for four years and realized that temperamentally I was, I was not suited to that, type, that job for the rest of my life. Uh, and I was always involved in the art world and I always wanted to sing. And uh, I just had the opportunity one day to, to open the door and, and, and people sort of helped me make the transfer from law into the opera world. And that was now um, 29 years ago. <laughs> I'll be, uh, I'm in my 27th season and very fortunate to have been able to work with some of the great conductors and directors of the world. And am now, uh, I've already mentioned Simon Rattle. I'm singing with him next year twice. And I've just been singing with Daniel Barenboim. And yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to be singing uh, Wagner's Ring Cycle uh, in two months' time in Denmark. And then I go on to Brussels to sing uh, The Golden Cockerel by Rimsky-Korsakov uh, in Russian. So, and then that takes me into the new year when, when I'm doing all types of different things as well. Uh, two questions for you. But first of all, um, how many languages do you speak? Well, um, fluently, I, I speak all the language that I sing in. Uh, so it's, I suppose it's seven, but they're also at different levels. Because sometimes, for example, I sing in Russian and I speak Russian and I can sing in Russian and I understand Russian, but I don't have the opportunity to practice it as much as I do Ukrainian, for example. So but then uh, I sing in German, in French, in Italian, sometimes in English even. Uh, not that often, but uh, yeah, but, and, and in Czech as well. Did you learn the languages as you uh, were studying music then? Well, I was fortunate that before I was a lawyer, one sort of speci- the only specific talent I had at school was, was, was a, an interest of, of, uh, for languages. So I, I ended up studying uh, modern languages at university in Manchester in England. And then uh, I studied at Barcelona University for a year and, and then in Met, at Metz University near Strasbourg in France for a year because I studied French and uh, uh, Spanish uh, literature and language. 
and that opened the door to other languages. And when I started to be, and I started singing, I needed German and Italian, of course, and I just set about <laughs> learning that as soon as possible. And then the Ukrainian opened the door to Russian. So there you are. And, and Czech, I don't really speak Czech, but it's so close to Ukrainian. Right. That, uh, that you can, I mean, just reading it through, you can understand 70% of it. And then the words you can't understand are usually archaic Ukrainian words. So it's, it's really quite straightforward. <laughs> That's funny. So that kind of leads me to my, my other question I was going to ask you. And uh, that was, why did you choose opera instead of, say, um, theater or popular music? Well, uh, classical music is, is a world where, uh, <laughs> let's put it this way. I, when I was a lawyer, I actually foresaw that I possibly could get to the point where I will, when I will have done most of the things I was aiming to do as a lawyer. But in classical music, that's just quite impossible because every time you come, for example, you come to a, a classical song or a, or a classical opera, it's always different because it, it has so many millions of, uh, of different ways of interpreting uh, uh, music. Uh, that you, you never arrive, basically, and uh, that's the beauty of it. You're constantly searching and every performance is a different performance. Classical music talks about many, many shades of feelings uh, beyond for example pop music or or even uh, musicals let's just say you know, maybe uh, folk songs for example they talk about love and they talk about death and but then there's a, a whole gamut of emotions between those two words and classical music it delves into that because it, it basically takes on uh, words which have a myriad of ways of interpreting and the music as well every time you meet a conductor he'll look at a different he'll look at it differently and singers look at it differently so you, you never really arrive and that's why that's why classical music is so fascinating so you like a challenge obviously absolutely and that's why i never you know i'm constantly learning and uh, i like to do new operas for example um, I don't like to just repeat the same old things all the time, although I do I do repeat operas sometimes. Mm -hmm. But, for example, the, the Golden Cockerel is new to me, uh, which I'm doing in, at the La Monnaie uh, um, uh, Royal Opera House in uh, Brussels, um, in Belgium, in, at, at Christmas. And the whole Ring Cycle by Wagner, I've never done this particular role. I'm playing the sort of... The devil's devil, if you like. <laughs> and, uh, and next year, I've been invited to go to sing in Budapest to sing uh, Wagner's uh, Parsifal. And that's particularly interesting because um, I'm doing two roles there, um, all on one night. And uh, it was Wagner's intention that the same singer sang both roles. But it happens very rarely because uh, both roles are very different roles. And sometimes, in, in a way, they are especially demanding for one singer. But it's a great uh, challenge. So you like challenges. And one project that you've been involved with on the Canadian side, since we're uh, talking to you from Canada, I'd like to just kind of throw this into the mix, and that is the Ukraine Art Song Project. And yeah. this is not folk music or popular music. What this is is classical, right? Well, this is an example of classical music. It's, right. uh, it's definitely not folk music. I'll give you an idea just just now about you know what folk music is. It's beautiful music, of course, and it's, you know Ukrainians have lots and lots of folk songs, but they also have a massive repertoire of of Ukrainian classical songs called art songs in English, and that's basically a very eminent poet and an eminent composer get together and create something which becomes sort of a higher form of art, if you like, because it deals with issues and themes which are not usually dealt with in, in folk songs and the music is is by fantastic composers and sort of it enhances the art form if you like through that it's music which is another stepping stone to showing that ukraine is a, is a really cultured nation without which you know um ukraine will, will, will still be looked on as a as a warlike nation and, and a nation of problems but we also have an incredible classical culture. And it's, uh, it's, it's our hope through the art song. And in fact, through the Babin Yar concert, to show Ukraine in the best light possible. Because the reason why I accepted this invitation to produce this concert was 
because uh, I saw it as a, a way for Ukrainians to recognize that they're entering adulthood as a nation. Hmm. Every, every uh, adult nation in the world pretty well has got a history which is not so uh, positive, I suppose, in the eyes of, 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 of the world. For example, England, uh, people very frequently forget that, that was, this is the epicenter of the, uh, of the slave trade. And, and the French, with their revolution, tons of atrocities, atrocities there, the Germans, you know, you can go around the whole world. And when you meet a civilized nation, always something untoward has, has happened. And in Ukraine, this atrocity took place in 1941. And it, it was uh, instigated by the Nazis, as everybody knows. But uh, obviously, people were involved. And uh, this is a way of saying, well, we remember... We accept that this happened, and uh, we hope it will never happen again on our territory. And that's for me, was a, a big reason to accept this invitation, because Ukraine needs this type of uh, step to adulthood. It needs the Ukrainian art song. It needs to show that we have over, over 1,500 Ukrainian art songs, that we are second in the world in, when it comes to quantity, and the quality of the songs are just incredible. So, you know, this is all part of building a nation, you know, and, uh, and giving them an identity which the world will be proud of. You know, people will stand up and listen to this concert on the 29th of September. People already are standing up and listening to the Ukrainian art song project and understanding this is non-Ukrainians as well. And understanding that, you know, the, there are tons of people in this world who, who actually do create things which are unique. And that's and the Ukrainians as well. Our task is to record them, to make sure that there's a world library and to get it out there to all the people of the world, particularly the young. And we're doing that uh, by getting into the universities, conservatories in Canada and beyond. And, and for example, I've just done a, a, a concert tour of Ukraine, of Ukrainian art songs. I sang in Kiev and in Lviv and gave three masterclasses in Kiev, Lviv, and Ivana Frankiewicz, and it was, uh, it was just an unmitigated success. It was fantastic. It was obvious that the people were just waiting for me to come to, to sort of help them open their souls and for them and to be, have them introduced to Ukrainian classical song. And I'm sure that they will react the same way to this uh, Babinyar concert. Indeed, and that is one thing that um, that I've noticed, and I think anybody that becomes acquainted with Ukrainians notices their great love and knowledge of the classical arts. So thank you again for telling You're us. You're welcome, Pavlina, and all the best to your radio station. All right, thank you so much. I was speaking with Pavlo Hunka from London, England. Mr. Hunka will be performing at the concert he is directing in commemoration of the 75th anniversary of Babinyar on September 29th, 2016, in Kiev. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. Vysluchajte Radio Peredaču Naš Holos, Radio Krinskoho Korinja, na Bahatomovni radiostanci AM 1320 u misti Vancouveri. You're listening to Naš Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on AM 1320 CHMB, Vancouver. I'm your host, Pavlina. <laughs>
and a klezmer rendition of Ukraine's national anthem. Coming up next, Dunai from Toronto, Ontario, and a song from their most recent CD, a song that's sort of been appropriated from Polish culture and tradition, much beloved by Ukrainians. It is called Hey Sokole. The latest news stories from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine's first international English news channel, Ukraine Today. Hello and welcome to Ukraine Today. I'm Vladimir Solohuk. Another busy week here in Ukraine. The fighting in the east doesn't seem to stop. Just last weekend, six Ukrainian soldiers were killed and 13 wounded, all in the course of 24 hours. Militants continue using the prohibited weapons in violation of the ceasefire agreement. And according to the Ukrainian military intelligence, Russia is regrouping its two armies near the border with Ukraine. All this is happening while the members of trilateral contact group in Ukraine meet again in Minsk. 
This time, they hope to negotiate the withdrawal of troops. We spoke to Mr. Yvhan Marchuk, head of Ukraine delegation in Security Working Group of Minsk Trilateral Contact Group on Ukraine, about these talks. Nowadays, we are trying to withdraw military units from contact line, but uh, I, uh, me, personally, I personally call it front line because in reality, it's not contact line. In reality, it's front line. To withdraw from uh, contact line military units for one kilometer. In the other part of Ukraine, the joint Ukrainian-U.S. multinational maritime exercises Seabreeze 2016 kicked off on the waters of the Black Sea. Apart from the Ukrainian and American Navy, representatives of 14 other countries are taking part in the maneuvers. Turkey, which lived through an attempted coup a while ago staged by the military, still dispatched its Navy units to participate in the drills. The 2016 Marine component includes 26 vessels, 20 planes and helicopters, as well as 15 military equipment units and 4,000 soldiers. One of the most watched video from the military drills was parachute-free airdrop of naval border guards from a 7-meter height from a helicopter flying with a speed of about 30 kilometers per hour. For all of the Ukrainian naval border guards, this was a first-ever experience. Indeed, you don't get to jump out of the flying chopper every day. Also, not every day you see people with crosses marching some 500 kilometers towards the European capital. To celebrate the 1028th anniversary of baptism of Ukraine on July 28th, Orthodox groups from eastern and western Ukraine walked for around three weeks to reach Kyiv. But their differences were not only geographic, but also political. The Kremlin-backed procession of the Orthodox priests, flock and private security guards were feared to have ulterior motives behind their crusade on Kyiv. The government suspected that Moscow-oriented Orthodox group would clash with Kyiv-backed Orthodox, or that the procession will be used for provocations and possibly violence. Hence, under the tight security measures, both groups safely reached Kyiv, marched across the city center, frayed in the famed Lavra Monastery, and without any incident, left home. Ukraine continues fighting the external aggression in the east and also reacting to internal threats. Overall, this has been a good week for the government, trying to keep the country safe. Let's see what the next week will bring us. I'm Volodymyr Solhub, Ukraine Today. The situation at Donbass worsens again. Russian-backed troops shell Ukrainian positions using heavy weaponry, forbidden by Minsk agreements. During the weekend, 10 Ukrainian soldiers were wounded and one killed. On July the 30th, Ukrainian military officials reported that Russia deployed another convoy of ammunition and military equipment to militants in eastern Ukraine. Still, the towns and villages in the region tried to live somewhat normal life. In spite of powerful roar of guns and constant machine gun firing, locals behave as if nothing special goes on. They walk in the parks, children ride at playgrounds. Seems like only animals look for a shelter. At night, the town can hear separate, very loud explosions. First wounded soldiers are taken from the front line to the hospital. All of them are easy, just missile fragments in their arms and legs. Just several kilometers from the front line, and life seems to be quite peaceful. Soldiers rest and take care of pets. They even help their cats to get rid of fleas. After the epic cat washing, they will have just a couple of hours of sleep and will return back to the positions. Ukrainian army is ready for even more attacks. On August the 2nd, Russia celebrates the Day of Airborne Troops. The militants usually mark this day with shelling and shootings. The Russian-backed separatist forces are reinforcing their positions in Horlivka, 45 kilometers north of Donetsk. The militants are turning the city into a fortress. Ukrainian soldiers say new squads have arrived in the separatist-controlled areas, most likely from Chechnya. Ramzan Kadyrov's soldiers are stationed here, right across the field. There are a lot of them too. They are moving every day. Their guns are silent, for now. Instead, the militants are relocating their vehicles, changing positions, and displaying long-forgotten in Ukraine flags. Two flags of the Soviet communist regime and the separatist flags too. 
The locals in the occupied territories are still exposed to Russian propaganda. The combatants have changed their stories, though. Instead of the nationalists, they are now trying to scare people with mercenaries. That is what they call Ukrainian soldiers who signed a contract with the army. We must restore Ukrainian television here. We must, so people could see both sides of the conflict. A local village, named after communist leader Lenin, separates the two armies in the area. It is called a gray zone, which means neither Ukraine nor the militants control the village. The few locals that live here often suffer from random shelling and shooting. The soldiers tell the separatists mostly move at nights. Their relocation is hard to monitor, even with the help of night vision goggles. Russia has provided them not only with weapons, but also with advanced equipment and outfit. So far, the situation is under control, the soldiers say. The newly arrived separatist forces act rather disoriented, as if the territory is new to them. They mostly try to provoke us with occasional shooting. They show up, make a few shots, then hide. Aside from fighting off the militants, Ukrainian soldiers also reinforce their positions. The servicemen believe the war will inevitably end and the national flag will appear over Donetsk. Ukrainian soldiers confront Russian-backed forces almost face to face. At some places, just several hundred meters divide their positions. The most tense situation is at the sector near Avdiivka and on the stretch between Zaitseva and Mayorsk. These soldiers live and hold the line in a so-called lair. Their forward position is just several hundred meters from separatist militants. The basement, covered with mildew inside, is hidden in bushes. We are a bit concealed here, but there are drones. They can see everything. It is relatively calm here for the last few days. The soldiers say the militants are busy shooting at each other. This is a usual tactics for them. The shellings are aimed for local residents to believe they are being attacked by Ukrainian army. Social media in Gorlivka immediately write that Ukrainians are completely out of their minds. We're all in basements here. In Zaitseve, near occupied Horlivka, Russia-backed militants hide in basements too. Ukrainian military say separatists only control two streets by now. This is our forward position. 150 meters more and there are separatist pits. Close combat is rather often here, but Ukrainian servicemen say the enemy has completely lost the hope to get Zaitseva back. The situation on the Ukrainian Eastern Front line may worsen harshly. According to Ukraine's intelligence service, the leaders of Russian-backed separatist forces ordered each and every militant, including those being off, to return to the battlefield. Along with the armed forces, they drag heavy weapon closer to the position of Ukrainian soldiers. National Guard fighters say they are being shelled every night, as well as the houses of the local residents. The village of Krasnohorivka, lying to the west of Donetsk, is considered one of the hottest points. The distance between the positions of Ukrainian army and the terrorists is less than one kilometer. Both sides do not spend a single hour without being shelled and rescuing from heavy mortars. Ukrainian officers claim Russian-backed separatists might have undergone the regular rotation, for since recent they have started shooting with big-caliber bullets. Ukrainians do not remember the enemy had such kind of weapon before the recent so-called updates. After one more night spent under heavy shelling, Ukrainian soldiers say the enemy has already forgotten about Minsk agreements. Ukraine may soon encounter a real war. Ukrainian Kurd has arrested Alexander Yefremov for two months as a pre-trial restriction. His arrest was requested by the country's prosecution. If released, Yefremov could flee Ukraine and avoid responsibility for his crimes, the prosecutors said. The close ally of ousted President Yanukovych, Alexander Yefremov, is accused of creating and supporting the militant republic in the Luhansk region. His former colleague from the Party of Regions, Vladimir Landik, has testified against him. Yefremov was detained at the Kyiv airport on July 30. He was trying to leave for Austria when the law enforcers took him into custody. A big corruption scandal to be unveiled in Ukraine's state aviation administration. The department workers are said to have embezzled 4,300,000 hryvnias. According to Ukraine's security service, in December 2015, the aforementioned costs were remitted to one of the Russian-backed companies, supposedly for purchasing the metal detectors for the Borispil International Airport in Kyiv. The investigators say the vendor appeared to be a fake Czech enterprise. Additionally, the procurement price was four times higher. 
According to the reports of Kyiv Office of Public Prosecutor, the police officers do dispose of numerous proof of the criminal schemes used for money laundering. The investigation is underway. No officials' names are currently mentioned. Our ministry officially claims it will combat corruption with no compromise possible. A good deal of discrediting evidence is still being considered and revised by Ukraine's Prosecutor General's office. An unexpected historical discovery done in the city of Kamyanets-Pudilsky in Khmelnytsky region in western Ukraine. An old military tower dated back to the 16th century was known only by ancient historical maps. The newly discovered founding may become an additional step to UNESCO World Heritage. This year, Kamenets-Pudilsky is set to appeal to the organization for the third and the last time. This tower was hiding one of the most beautiful city view, the so-called Catholic front of the monasteries. According to the historical manuscripts, once nearly 60 local residents defended the city from Turkish invasion. In 16th century, the city of Kamenets-Pudilsky was already quite populated. Apart from the tower reminiscence, the archaeologists found an old stove. It might have been designed for pottery or blacksmith manufacturing. Geologists in study the area around the digging site, hoping to find some other valuable artifacts. The new radar is constructed specially for such purposes, for it doesn't destroy the soil. Using such method, the scholars may explore the earth 12 meters in depth. The excavation works are currently set to continue. Money necessary for the Eurovision Song Contest 2017 are found. This is according to Ukraine's Prime Minister Volodymyr Hroisman. On his Facebook page he wrote, Ukrainian government ensured European Broadcasting Union it would provide 15 million euro for Ukraine's state committee for television and radio broadcasting. The location, though, is still unknown. Three cities, Kyiv, Dnipro and Odessa, strive for the right to hold the competition. The organizing committee promises to name the hosting city as soon as the technical and organizing issues are solved, as well as the advice of European colleagues are fulfilled. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's Ukraine News Roundup for this edition of Nasholas Ukrainian Roots Radio. To hear more news from Ukraine today, check all of this week's editions of Nasholos at www.nasholos.com. And for their full roster of breaking stories, as well as interviews, press reviews, and in-depth analysis on Ukraine, follow Ukraine Today on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and their live blog, uatoday.tv.
Auckland uh, folk dance called the Tarantali Tanok, and that was performed by American Ukrainian folk group Korinya. Here's what's coming up this week in Vancouver's Ukrainian community. On Wednesdays, catch Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio broadcasting live from Nanaimo to north and central Vancouver Island, the Gulf Islands, the Sunshine Coast, northwest Washington State, and in the greater Vancouver listening area. Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Time on CHLY Radio Malaspina, 101.7 FM on the radio dial and streaming online at chly.ca. Channel 8 Omni airs two Ukrainian-language TV shows in the Vancouver viewing area, Kontakt TV Sundays at 7 a.m., with repeats Tuesdays at 9 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 a.m., and Forum TV Sundays at 8 a.m., with repeats on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 12 noon. And at 6 p.m. on Saturday evenings, flip your radio dial right back here to AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver or catch the live stream at am1320.com. And join me for another hour of fun on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. In between broadcasts, make sure to follow Nasholos and me on Facebook and Twitter. And for audio archives, transcripts, podcast feeds and more, visit our website at www.nasholos.com. From Winnipeg and a long time ago, the iconic Mickey and Bunny and Chorne Orel. Up next is Mickey and Eugene, two gentlemen, also from Winnipeg, and here they are now with the Rose Chacha Polka.
very best in Ukrainian programming, tune in to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio in Vancouver every Saturday at 6 p.m. Pacific Time on AM 1320 CHMB and streaming at am1320.com. Live in Nanaimo's Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Time on CHLY 101.7 FM and online at chly.ca. And elsewhere in the world on the PCJ Radio Network on AM FM, shortwave and satellite radio. And in between broadcasts, you can find us online at www.nasholos.com where you can find find the podcast links to all three editions of the show. And make sure to follow Nash Holos on Twitter and please like our Facebook page. And our proverb of the week translates as it is easier to obtain good advice than to begin the work. Well, that about wraps it up for another edition of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio to take us to the end of our program, the Canadian Rhythm Masters and the Great Plains Kolomeka. I'm Pavlina. On behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320, thanks for listening and Dobranich! <music> Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.